Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing the Podcasts. I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Eric Rubat is here with us. Eric, how are you doing? I am fantastic. We're going to talk basketball in a good fashion today. Yeah, so so much optimism right now around Kansas State basketball. It's great. Jerome Tang is coming in, uh, or he has arrived in Manhattan now, I guess. And uh, I've been watching a lot of videos, and he's saying all the right things right now. And everybody outside of K-State is saying a lot of good things, which is always nice. So we're really excited about it, but and we want to learn you know, more about Coach Tang. So we brought on an old friend. He's now the managing editor at Our Daily Bears. Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? I am doing, I'm a little conflicted, but I'm doing very well, right? (laughs) Like it's been a rough, I would say 10 days or so from a sports perspective, but there is, we share similar futures, I think. There's a lot of good things to come in both the Kansas State sports sphere and the Baylor uh, sports arena as well. So I'm excited. I think there's a lot of good stuff happening. I mean, I, I can't imagine it was a, a tough weekend. Along with the Tang News, you get surprising losses from both the Baylor men's and women's teams in the tournament. Uh, but at least with the Tang News, I mean, I would imagine it's sort of a, a bittersweet feeling because you got to be happy for the guy to get a promotion. But, you know, it's kind of what was your initial reaction to the news that, that this was seriously a thing that could happen? My very initial reaction was two thoughts at once. It was, yes. Finally, because Jerome Tang has been talked about for head coaching roles for at least, question mark, three years, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And it was always a situation where, you know, Coach Tang had been nothing but positive and a massive part of the success of Baylor basketball over the last 19 years. And it was time for him to get a shot as a head coach because he definitely carries himself like a head coach. And I think everybody understands how hard he works and how skilled he is at what he does. So it made absolute sense for him to get a shot at a head coaching role. Now, the other emotion that I felt was a little bit of confusion because I will be honest, when the more strongly worded rumors came out, I think it was late last week or maybe over the weekend, it might've been Sunday, where I thought to myself, wow, I don't know that I really see Jerome Tang going to a school within the Big 12. Not because he can't cut it. That had nothing to do with it. I just figured it'd be a situation where he would want to move to a conference where, you know, either there's not a ton of pressure or for a first head coaching gig or, you know, maybe not wanting to be in the same conference as his, you know, mentor slash, you know, true friend and and coach and Scott Drew. So it it was a little bit of surprise, not that he got the head coaching role, but where he took it. That being said, I'm ecstatic. I think one, it's a fantastic hire. And two, I think it is a, one of the better fits for a college coach and program that you can see across the country, right? You look at obviously Scott Drew and Baylor, right? You look at, (laughs) I, you know, I had this full list uh, in my head, but like <laughs> you, you look across the country, like Coach K and Duke, right? Those personalities fit pretty well. You look at, oh, um, the Oklahoma City Thunder coach for a while who coached Florida through the national championship. Billy it's Donovan. Very late. Thank you. Billy Donovan in Florida, right? That felt like a really good fit. So you look at some of these pairings across basketball history and across the nation, and it just, it feels right to me, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and part of that, I think, and he's already, you've heard him talking about just how he wants to outwork everybody. He wants to work hard. And that's exactly what people in Kansas want to hear, I think. Uh, so that, that's a positive and well, you, you certainly don't want the coach play. to come in and say, I'm not really <laughs> not really here to work hard. Um, you should see my paycheck, though. They pay me five weeks. Like, just talking about like how his direct deposit works is not really yeah. what you want to hear. But yeah, you're right. He's saying all the right well, things. I mean, just talking about his, his story coming up, too. And, and, you know, obviously he can he can back it up. And that he's not absolutely. like some guy who had some things handed to him. So, yep, absolutely. That's been cool. And honestly, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Jerome Tang. We started to hear about him. Eric, I mean, did you, did you much, know much about him? I don't. I've got a handful of questions. Uh, you know, coming into, uh, we'll, we'll call it recruiting our new coach. You know, his yeah. name was certainly very, very close to the top of the list. Um, it was pretty widely regarded across the country that he was probably the best assistant available anywhere. Anybody that might be looked at as a as a quote-unquote better hire would be uh, a head coach somewhere else moving over, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm excited about it just from the, uh, I guess, the pedigree that's coming along with Jerome. The questions that I really am going to dive into, one is going to be, you know, just what his role at Baylor was when it comes to uh, when it comes to scouting, when it comes to game plan, you know, what what was did he have an explicit role in the at Baylor or was he kind of just kind of involved with everything? I mean, it, when you work yourself from an assistant coach up to associate head coach and you serve in that role for four years. Uh, wow, I guess it'd be five years now. Yeah, you, you have a hand in everything. Right. But if you wanted to pinpoint some areas, Jerome Tang was as close to a defensive coordinator as you can get in college basketball, right? I think there's a similar situation or there was a similar situation there with Mark Adams and Chris Beard. You see it becoming more popular, right? I, I think even some of the rotation decisions are made based on defensive performance and adherence to strategy. And and so you'll see Tang, you know, leading part of the timeout huddles and you will see him actually controlling some of the substitution patterns. And, you know, not to mention he's also heavily involved or was heavily involved. Wow, I have to use the past tense now. This is extremely sad. But guys, this is getting more sad than I expected. <laughs> I might start getting emotional here. But he definitely had um, a hand in ramping up the Baylor recruiting machine, right? All the way back to, uh, you know, Quincy Miller and Isaiah Austin. And you see his name associated with, you know, Perry Well, I think Jones, there was a story but... about Tweety Carter, Exactly, exactly. All the way back, right? And it, it's hard to know exactly within the building, right, what he does exactly. But I think it's even harder to understand what impact, right, that work actually has on the program, right? This is all this is all corporate management, <laughs> you know, skill set matrices and what, right? So you can tell I'm a consultant for my day job, right? So, uh, but everything that you hear, I mean, literally everybody that speaks about Jerome Tang mentions a couple things. One, he's one of the most genuine people that you'll ever meet. And I think that shines through pretty clearly, right? It, it uh, came out quick too. And in, in, in mm -hmm. just the brief interactions that have been put out on social media and the couple of real quick questions before press conferences and that sort of thing, it's that is coming through in spades already. Absolutely. And he's just, yeah. you know how Titus and Tate, the other, one of the other college basketball podcasts, right? They have nice guy versus bad guy. And 
And Coach Tang definitely falls under that nice guy thing, right? He's not going to be considered like a like a killer recruiter, right? He's not a bag man, right? Yeah. He, he does things the right way. He has, you know, turned some recruits off potentially by refusing to recruit a certain way. And there was never a point in time where Baylor was not exceedingly proud to have him on the staff, right? Yeah. I, I wonder, would, I would I mean, recommend everybody, we've... sorry, I would recommend everybody go to David K's Twitter account, the SID for Baylor basketball. He posted like a notes app with a story about Jerome Tang, like baking a pie for him when he had surgery one time. And he had to try a couple times to make this pie good enough and then deliver it. I mean, it's just <laughs> real textbook, yeah. like what you'd want in a magazine article about you, stuff about Jerome Tang. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, there was a couple of years ago, CJ Moore of The Athletic wrote a great story about Jerome Tang, kind of the story of how he met Scott Drew and like invited him over to his house for ribs. And like, I guess Bailey had enough money to, to get enough ribs for the meal and like, <laughs> turned into a, a great time. And Scott Drew offered him the job as he left. It's a great story. You should check it out if you can. But yeah, that was really cool. Another part of that story, though, was interesting. As uh, I think Tang said, he seriously like he'd been interviewed by four schools to that point he said three of them turned him down and then uh, one of them had some stipulations or like that he didn't like like they said he couldn't bring his own staff and they weren't going to pay him as much as Baylor was so understandably he turned that one down but you know assuming that's true like why do you think it took him so long for like a ton of schools seem to be coming after him this year and and, you know, why do you think K-State stood out among those? I think LSU, Missouri, and Mississippi State were at least three that I heard mentioned. So through my career, like in my personal day job, right, life, I, ha- I haven't stayed in a job for, I'd say, more than three and a half, four years, right? And there's only one place I regret leaving. And that's because of the people I worked with, Right. It was a culture of vulnerability. Nobody is better than anybody else. The people that you work for feel like they are working for you. And I really think it was just a situation that was good, right? I I realize that's a really simple statement, right? But if you love the people you're working with, you're compensated fairly for what you're doing, you are succeeding in your role, right? You're developing in your role, why wouldn't you stay, right? It's unheard of for anybody to stay in the same <laughs> job nowadays, sports or otherwise, for 19 years. Um, I've been at my job for 19 years, but... I'm, that's remarkable, an right? Anomaly, an anomaly. I've never claimed to be a smart, a smart man, but yes, you realize that it's it's odd, right? So yeah, he was, he was there for 19 years. You know, he gets moved to that associate head coach role in 2017. So I just, I see a situation where if you truly love the people you're working with and you're having success there, why jump ship for a non-ideal situation, right? And I think Kansas State, honestly, is almost as close to ideal as you can get in this particular college basketball environment, right? You're in the best basketball conference in the nation. And by my opinion, not by a little bit, you already have a decent roster pending a certain point guard comes back right after passing the waters, <laughs> right? But you can also, like, there's proof that you can succeed in Manhattan, right? Your money, to no offense to Manhattan, goes a little bit further, 
in Manhattan, like you can build a great program there and you can have a great life there. And I really think those are the two things that Jerome Tang wants to do is coach basketball and enjoy his life. And I think this is a perfect place for him to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, so we talked a little bit about how, you know, the other coaches uh, has said good things. Uh, a lot of people in the media has had good things. I guess, you know, what do Baylor's players say about Jerome Tang? I mean, it's it's the boring answer, but every like everybody <laughs> loves them. There hasn't been, you know, a single negative word that I've heard about Jerome Tang specifically. Players, coaches, opposing staff, like guys. I know that you don't like it, but Bill Self is even calling him to congratulate him, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's kind of wild to see because every other there are people that don't like Scott Drew, and I get that, but take that up a notch and then you have Jerome Tang and, and nobody like nobody says a bad word about him. But yeah, the yeah, players I mean, there was love a certain him. The players satisfaction. There's a certain satisfaction in hearing Bill Self say it's a great day to be a Wildcat, you know. That was weird. It was a little off-putting. <laughs> that felt a little like a little bit of gamesmanship. Yeah. I, you know, I think I'm amidst, you know, good company here when I say I'm not the biggest fan of Bill Self. I don't yeah. think he's a, like a bad guy necessarily, but you know, I, think you might be I, I take I take that statement with a grain of salt. I think it's patronizing. I hope it's a little bit, a little bit, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to. Yeah. You put That's it better funny. than I could. I'm not feeling as bold right now. The managing editor title, I guess, has gotten to my head, and I have, I have to be a little bit more presidential for some reason when you, nobody's you have to, expecting you have, that from me. You have to protect the paycheck. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the massive, <laughs> the massive blog paycheck. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. So we, we touched a little bit on the recruiting, and we can get more into that. But but his first job really is kind of right is is especially in in today's era is recruiting current players. You know, especially Nigel Pack, but also you know Selton Miguel, and hopefully David Bradford can come back to normal. Uh, Marquis Noel and Ishmael Masood, you think wouldn't be too hard to convince to stay since they, they've already used up the transfer. But you know, just how do you guys think Jerome Tang will go about? that and, and just keeping the the guys he wants on the roster in Manhattan. You know, referring to Nigel Pack, which by the way, Luke and you, you and I have texted about Nigel Pack. He's one of my favorite players like in the country. As a short guy myself, I love seeing short <laughs> players succeed. And the guy is an absolute bucket. I think he has a future in the NBA. I truly do. I think you and I might disagree on that. I don't know or or to varying degrees of agreement there, but I get it, right? If you're Nigel Pack, you had a fantastic season, go test the waters. I think that makes total sense. If you're a younger player, man, I would be thrilled that I'm now playing under a coach, a championship coach, and not just an assistant to that championship team, right? Like Mm -hmm. a large part of that organization. And I think Tang can come in, hit the ground running. I would be surprised if he's not quite successful in retaining most if not all of those players who might be looking elsewhere mm-hmm. but in terms of recruiting like if you can recruit to Waco you can recruit to Manhattan this isn't you know if a player is choosing a program and a coach then Manhattan is is on the table yeah well the other part of that though and Eric that I think the part that maybe Jerome Tang might not talk about it out loud, but there might be guys on the roster who he doesn't think, you know, fit his culture. And then, so, you know, how do you kind of handle that situation? And maybe well, I think 
I think he's just got to see what he's got. You know, I think, you know, just just coming in and and there's there's some names that we mentioned before that I think would be insane to leave. You know, you've got specifically with Noel and Ish. I mean, they've used up their transfer port, their get out of jail free card from uh, the transfer portal. So if they go anywhere, they're sitting. That wouldn't exactly be a smart move on their part. You know, I there's a, a few folks on, on the further down the roster that. You know, I think he just needs to see what he's what we've got there. I'm not convinced that we are really good at developing big guys. Well, I don't think there's a whole lot of convincing that's needed there. The, the the proof's in the pudding to a certain extent. So I think he's got he's got to take a look at the roster as far as big guys go, and whether Logan Landers sticks around, or uh, you know, if I had to pick a name, if I had to pick one name off the roster that won't be here next year, it's, it, it's actually Carlton Lingard simply because, you know, I think that he showed that he could play. And for one reason or another, he just didn't get that many, that much as far as opportunity goes. But, you know, if uh, in the right environment, if Jerome can come in and just paint a picture for these guys that they're going to get their shot, we're going to keep developing and, you know, paint a picture for, uh, for all of our big guys that their career isn't going to be six minutes off the bench. It's actually going to be a significant part of the, the game plan moving forward. Then there's a good chance that uh, there, there's a good chance that everybody's sticking around. Mm-hmm. I personally think, especially with Jerome Tang's reputation with big men development, you'd be crazy if you're a post player or even approaching a post player to leave. I think this situation just became remarkably beneficial to you if you're a post player at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. What about Matt? Um, I think Scott Drew in his press conference the other day was asked uh, if anybody was going to be following Tang, and he didn't directly answer the question. He said, "You know, we'll deal with it." And I, you know, they were talking about coaches, but do you think there are any players who might follow Tang to Manhattan? Ah, stop it! I, 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 don't, <laughs> I honestly don't know. It's I suppose it's possible. I honestly don't know. Anything like that would be speculation, right? I think, you know, you have a pretty loaded backcourt at Baylor, you know, with Keontae George coming in and Langston Love coming off injury next season, hopefully fully healthy, right? So, I mean, if you had, again, this is pure speculation. I don't know. Like, if you wanted to say, like, an LJ Cryer, just because of minutes, I I don't see why his minutes would decline after such Mm -hmm. a successful, you know, season and a half. But maybe, maybe somebody from the backcourt, but I don't necessarily have reason to believe that would happen. I mean, anything can happen, right? You can be traded from the Detroit Lions to the LA Rams and win a Super Bowl. So <laughs> anything can happen. And as far as staff, it looks like he's already, you know, building some guys from other schools. He got Ulrich Maligi, who has a great reputation as a recruiter from Texas, and then uh, Dream Dowling from North Texas. And then, I don't know, I think the – Rumor or what people are thinking is that if Shane Southwell wants to stay on staff, he will be allowed to do so. I would hope that that's true because I think that that would be valuable to have some form of continuity in that way. But, um, now, hold on here. I'm, hold on. I'm, I'm checking my notes. I'm reading my notes from the preseason. It says here that Texas was assembling the best staff ever or something <laughs> like that, and they should be set for years to come. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Why would you yeah. leave such a great situation in Austin uh, for, <laughs> you know, interesting. I think that's weird. Yeah. Anyway, probably nothing. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Eric, do you have a preference on as far as Shane Southwell? Would you like to I think, 
You know, I think it, I actually think it's really important for him to keep him on staff. I think Shane is a, has a great future as a coach. Um, I completely agree with the assessment that he wasn't ready now, especially mm-hmm. to step into the shoes that he would be trying to step in and fill. I'm a believer that if you've got someone that, if you've got someone that bleeds purple and has the capability to do it, you keep him on staff. So I think that, you know, I think Shane, it shouldn't, shouldn't just be, uh, you know, if he wants to stay, the job is his. I think that Jerome should actually be recruiting him to make sure he doesn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. And then, you know, as far as play style, Matt, you know, can we expect uh, Jerome to be pretty similar to Scott Drew? Or do you think he has his own... You know, ideas that, that try to that's a really good question. Defensively, I would expect things to be pretty similar, right? You're seeing the no middle defense really, mm-hmm. you know, invade all of the power conferences to some degree. So I would expect the defense to look similar, right? Maybe some tweaks based on personnel. There were times where the Baylor defense mm-hmm. was even a little bit too aggressive in my mind in the passing lanes, things of that nature. So from a personal preference standpoint, you know, from a Baylor perspective, I'd like to see a little bit of change there. But, you know, so defensively, I think it stays the same. Offensively, no idea. I don't know. And I think that's a, a lot of that's going to be roster mandated or, or roster generated, right? Depending on what weapons you have at your you know, dispersal. But my main curiosity, right? Baylor has been notorious the last, I'd say, five to seven years-ish to, for playing a pretty short bench, right? Seven, maybe eight guys some games, right? Which, you know, kind of bit Baylor in the butt a little bit in the tournament, right? You only start off with a regular rotation of eight guys and then you lose a couple people and then you're playing, you know, a seventh player that hasn't got a lot of run in conference play. I'd be really curious to see if Tang opens that up or if he sticks with that same approach. You see a lot of successful teams with short benches. Heck, UNC, who just beat Baylor, extremely short bench. So it's not that it can't be successful. I'd just be curious to see what his approach is to that. Yeah, that's typically something you see at the end of the season, especially getting in around tournament sure. time too. Anyways, sure. you know that team that always has always been running ten players pretty deep the entire season, unless they're a team that really revolves around the hockey, the line shift. Right. Um, yeah, they're whittling it down to seven players, anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you what I want to see out of Tang? Here's what I want to see. I want to see. So, Matt, you were talking about the defense being more aggressive and, and arguably even too aggressive this last year at Baylor. I thought defensively we did a relatively poor job of defending off the ball this year. I don't think that we put pressured passing lanes enough and we just kind of let the offense come at us. You know, we we played decent defense when they came at us, but we didn't really make we rarely made the offense uncomfortable. So I'd like to see that improve. I just want the offense to become simpler. That's all I want. I just want the offense to become simpler. I want an <laughs> offense that looks like all five players on the on the floor know what they're like know what they're trying to accomplish. So hopefully we can get out of this quagmire of, you know, blowing 20 seconds of the shot clock with people standing around wondering what to do and then coming up with a bad shot. That, I have a really low bar to clear here. <laughs> that seems reasonable. <laughs> and I mean, do you think I guess you know, Matt, uh, the, I think the the good Baylor teams have started to maybe speed things up a little bit, but you know, you look back at like the Kim Pong rankings and not exactly a, a high tempo team. Yeah. Uh, years. 
I think that probably has a lot to do with just how good the Big 12 is defensively and has sure. been for a long time. But you're right. Baylor, even in terms of the Big 12, plays relatively slow. Obviously, take transition opportunities when they're there, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of pace, Baylor has been one of the slower teams. So is that something that Tang potentially changes? No idea. It'd be very, It'd be an interesting shift and something that is a little bit different to play against in the Big 12. So I wouldn't mind seeing it. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I like up and down basketball. Yeah, definitely. That was one reason I was kind of uh, soured on Grant McCaslin for North Texas, because they were the, the slowest team in America. This <laughs> nope. Uh, don't want that. <laughs> I do not want to watch wrestling. I want to watch basketball. Yeah, did anybody try to watch that North Texas-Virginia game? That just sounded like it would have been horrible. No, I'm good. Thanks. I, uh, <laughs> I, have, I have to do my taxes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of, of cultural things that I kind of want to talk about, but Eric, do you have any other you know, basketball questions you want to ask as far as Tango? Well, you know, I, just talking about Baylor being one of the slower teams in the country, I, you know, granted they, you know, right in the middle of the pack, right? Finished the season, at least right now, at 163rd in adjusted tempo on, on Ken Palm. So 350 teams, that's right in the middle. And I didn't even see what K-State is. Uh, yeah, I think this, this was one of their better seasons as far as that goes. Yep. So. One, of the, one of our better seasons at 201. Yeah, K-State too, yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. Adjusted tempo right in the middle of the pack. Offensive efficiency, number nine. Like, that's what I mean when I say I want to I want to see a more uh, I want to see a simpler offense that's more efficient. I don't want us to necessarily have to play a ton faster. I just want us to be better at it. There. Go. Talk culture. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up, and I think K-State mentioned this in the release, but honestly, it hasn't been mentioned in a whole lot of places. But, you know, we should know this is going to be Kansas State's first black basketball coach. And, you know, I feel like when the majority of your recruits are black players that that certainly can't hurt uh, trying to have a coach that connects with players. So I, I, see I think, I thing. think even past that, I think, you know, drum Tang is a, is a very much so an, a man of open faith. Right. right. I, I think even past going to be my next. Note, but... Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I don't think factors the right word, but it's definitely something that drum Tang displays openly right mm-hmm. so you you take these all of these different things into account but i think moving past that though drum tang is just a very genuine person and i think that is why people are drawn to him is because as i mentioned earlier he is who people say he is he is who he displays to the world that's not a show it's not an act you know other coaches you know, whether they be extremely in your face, loud, yelling, that may just be how they coach on the floor or how they are at work, right, when they're coaching. Drum Tang is Drum Tang. And I think when you are a genuine person, no matter who you are, what your personality is, when you care about other people and you are encouraging a culture of vulnerability, right? Where you're not better than the people you hire or the people you recruit. There is a two-way flow of communication and ideas and everybody's there pulling in the same direction, just trying to make it the best program as possible, right? All of this stems from being genuine and Drum Tang is that. 
And so that's why I am, you know, if, if I could, I'd put money on this being considered a quote success at Kansas State for sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you mentioned his faith and, you know, he coached at, obviously at Baylor. And then before that, he was at, I think it was Heritage, Heritage Christian Academy yep. in Texas. And, you know, and I understand at least from some of the stories I heard at Baylor, he would lead chapel occasionally. And so like, obviously that's not something he'll be doing at least directly through the university. You know, will it be any kind of adjustment for him like to coach at, at a public school where there is, you know, more of a separation between that religion and, and the university? And- yeah, I, I don't think Kansas State is going to necessarily be leading prayer circles after games, but I don't think this really, you know, I don't think Kansas State as a university inhibits who Drome Tang will be, right? I don't think that, I don't think there's a conflict there between, like, Kansas State knew who they were hiring, right? This, yeah, none of this yeah. is and I'm sure Yeah, a lot of people will embrace that for sure. And, you know, maybe this is maybe I'm not as excited for the fit if this is like a Miami hire or a Oregon hire or something like that, right? Not even knowing a ton about those programs and their culture. But I just feel like at Kansas State, you bring in a genuine person who's there to make the people around him better and the players better and the program better. That's good with everybody else, right? And also winning doesn't hurt either, right? So <laughs> yeah. you come in, you stack a couple good seasons, maybe after a couple of rough ones, right? As the program gets a new foundation built. But I, it, it's hard to argue with somebody who is a genuine person that cares about other people, right? Faith right. Right. faith put aside, you know, it, it's just, he's just a good guy, right? Yeah. And everything else is is kind of just a side note. Yeah, and from, just from so an people, official university standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Just so that people don't get the wrong idea, I I don't expect that to be an issue for Israel. I think part of the reason I bring it up is because I remember some of the stories from the Deb Patterson era and her staff were really into that, and they made some of the players who weren't as into the Christian faith feel a little bit alienated or, or outside the team. And, you know, like you said, it seems like Jerome Tang really is someone who cares about everyone. So I don't, I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy to do that. Exactly. I doubt highly that a player would be made to feel uncomfortable, right? However he feels. You know, maybe there are players on the roster right now that feel a little bit uncomfortable at first. But also, as this as the, as the time goes by, I don't think Jerome Tang is going to be bringing guys into the program that would inherently feel uncomfortable by him, <laughs> sure, right? Sure. So I think... That irons itself out. If there is any bumps, I think those get ironed out relatively soon. Right. So, uh, what about you know? Can K State fans expect to see uh, a lot more Baylor fans supporting them in the future? Look, you're you're talking to the wrong person here, right? I've always <laughs> I've always felt you and I have become yeah. friends, yeah. right, Eric? You and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. Sure. I've I've always felt a connection to the Kansas State fan base to a degree, more so than other schools in the Big Twelve. So I'm always rooting for Kansas State, pending it's not a Kansas State-Baylor contest, right? Mm-hmm. 
and I will be doing so with even more enthusiasm now that Coach Drew has expanded his coaching tree, right? I'm a North Texas fan for some reason now. I'm an Oral Roberts University (laughs) fan, even though I think my mother-in-law didn't like going there when she went there for a year or something like that. Like, (laughs) So yes, there will be an even more friendly Baylor fan base, I would suspect and hope, honestly, right? To the basketball program, at least. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, it's been really nice to see Kansas State fans all embrace jumping. You know, even the ones who were are dead set on getting Brett Underwood, it seems like, have come around and realized that Jerome Tang is a great hire. So they were delusional. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's let's be honest. There was no feasible likelihood of Brad Underwood coming to K State right now. Well, the, let's there was- say there was. Why? Uh, you know, Illinois has like a lot of great players, right? At least one great player, maybe one and a half great players. What did, were they ever truly impressive with the talent they had on that roster? I don't know. I, I've never been really impressed with Underwood, but. Uh, whether that's up for debate now or, or, or not, <laughs> it's it kind of beside the point. You know, it's just the, the point being there was just way too many hurdles to make that happen. And, yeah. you know, if it, sure, get Carl Ice on the phone and tell him he needs to write an $8 million check and, and we might be able to do that at that point. You know, what's your, th- there's got to be some level of a value proposition right there. So I, th- I think all the talk about Brad Underwood with any level of seriousness was delusional. And I'll say it right now, like, there is a risk with every head coaching hire, especially at and uh, in, in Power Five athletics. There's a risk that it could go sideways. There's a risk that it's not going to go well. You know, there's I, I think there's a, a a really good chance it goes well with Jerome. And you know, if there are people out there that are viewing this as they don't like the hire because they're afraid of that that risk, stop it. Just stop it. Shut up. Let the the, the dudes here get behind them. Let's, let's make this thing happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obviously it's very early, but Eric, you know, how do you look at it as far as reasonable expectations, maybe even like setting a floor and a ceiling for the next three to five years? You know, I I would say three to five years, like for me, it's, are we competitive? And for me, competitive is our, you know, do we feel like we belong in at least the middle echelon of the best basketball conference in the country? You know, and it's a, it's a game of perspective, right? You know, let's apply a little bit of perspective this year. We could make a pretty strong argument that the worst team in the big 12 came down between us and West Virginia. And based off of the Wednesday night game and uh, uh, the big 12 tournament, we know we, we kind of found out that answer to a certain extent being arguably the worst team in the big 12 was still a top 75 team in the country. So it's not like we were terrible. We just play in a really hard place to play. And, you know, for me, I just want to see us be competitive in that really hard place to play. I mean, look at the conference. Look at the coaches in the conference right now. Kansas. I'm going to say if this coach is a dude, I'm going to say dude, right? Kansas, dude. Baylor has a dude. Texas Tech. Apparently, they had they still have a dude. <laughs> Texas, uh, we'll see. <laughs> TCU, dude. Oklahoma State, dude. Plus yeah. Iowa State, apparently a dude. Oklahoma, Porter Moser, big fan of his. <laughs> West Virginia, dude. Uh-huh. For now, 
Kansas State now has a guy, <laughs> right? A guy you can point to as yeah. one of the brighter or better basketball minds in the country. So absolutely puts them in that echelon for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most of the, most of the coaches well, in the Big 12 right now are, I mean, they're, you, could, you could legitimately talk, you know, you could legitimately talk Hall of Fame at some point for every single one of them. You know, certainly there's some that are that are walking Hall of Famers today, and coaching in a conference like that is is certainly not easy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Matt, before we let you go, there are a couple of non-K State related things I wanted to ask you about. First of all, um, our Love two it. basketball teams in the NBA, Oklahoma City mm. Thunder, actually got a win tonight to snap a ten game win streak, but you know, the Thunder and the Rockets are the first two teams to become officially eliminated from playoff contention. The Rockets are now two and a half back. Who, who do you got in the tank- Tankathon this year? In the Tankathon? So uh, I'm happy about this fact. So when I say this, or I'm happy about this opinion that I hold. So I'll say, <laughs> I think uh, I think the Thunder have a, a higher floor just because of the way that talent is collected and like some of the... Mm-hmm some of the not turbulence, but potential roster turnover that could happen with Houston. You know, I think Houston probably has more quote unquote talent right now. I don't know. Both mm-hmm. crappy teams love to see it going to be high draft picks for both. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to add more talent to that. I got to say of most NBA seasons, I have been least interested in this one. I've been interested yeah. in watching how fun the Suns can be and how fun or horrible or how often it vacillates between the two of like Philadelphia and Brooklyn. And yeah, so I've watched maybe four NBA games this season. The Rockets, I have to take a season off. I'll I'll be back. I'm still paying attention like to the box scores and stuff. I just can't watch it. So my my Nuggets are playing pretty well this year, and most of it's been without Jamal Murray. And there's rumors he's going to come back here pretty soon. So it's that uh, let's go really good or really bad going into the going into the playoffs. Personally, my favorite part of the entire NBA season this year, and I am a total Miro when it comes to this kind of stuff, is just watching the Lakers explode. I I knew you were going (laughs) to say that. I knew you were going to say that. This is truly what's bringing the country together right now. Is the Lakers? The Lakers just absolutely (laughs) crapping the bed most nights. Despite how you feel about LeBron, right? I think you can remove LeBron from the situation. But watching, look, as a Westbrook hater my entire life, it's been fun seeing that happen and the whole situation. You know, West, and that's the bit. That's one of the. If I could find a way for it to happen to, and I know Harden played for the Rockets. I'm sorry if you have feelings for James Harden, but there are two people in the NBA. Not anymore. I would love to, uh, and it finally happened to Westbrook. It basically, get into a situation where it's like, see, it's you. You're the problem. <laughs> right. Right. I, we might find that out that pretty quick in, in Philadelphia for sure. Oh, I just saw, I just saw some of the pictures of Jerome Tang in the lavender quarter zip. Oh, he yeah, he's, so he's wearing a lot of lavender. This a lot of so I love it. I'm so sad. I, like I said, this is good. Oh, he has the final four backpack on, though. Let's go. Yes, he does. I noticed yeah. he was wearing his ring, too. That ring is enormous. Yeah. He the was cool was... grays on. He's so cool. I'm he happy for you guys. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for you yeah. guys. Yeah. And I'm happy to be 
in the Big 12 because it's just it's going to get it's going to get even better in terms of a basketball conference. I'm I'm just excited to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. And so, Matt, I I want to ask you, you're a, you're something of a of a hip hop aficionado, yes? Uh, yeah, to a degree, sure. So, what do you think of Pusha T dropping a diss track for Arby's against McDonald's fish sandwich? My brain was not in the right. <laughs> I was not in the right emotional state to process that when I watched it for the first time. Um, I'm st- my brain is still working on that. Uh, he definitely dropped a few like Coke lines in there, but like <laughs> hid them as like, I will say this. I am not anti Arby's like a lot of people are, but it didn't make me want to eat Arby's. Is that a good or bad? Sign? I'm not sure. Oh, I, but... I love me some Arby's. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with the Jamocha shake and some curly fries. You're damn right. <laughs> you, you have to end this podcast after that. You cannot find a more or a less relevant question to publicly put out on the air. <laughs> you loved it. Yeah, that was fun. Well, thanks, Matt. We appreciate you coming on, as always. Always uh, a pleasure. Love talking yeah. with you guys. Yeah. People can check out your Twitter at Matt is Bear, our Daily Bears. You're putting out some great content despite the basketball teams losing. So, hey, now. It was a great fun. season. <laughs> it was still fun. I, the only thing that made me sad over the weekend was that I don't get to watch more Baylor basketball. So if that's the place we're in, that's a pretty good place to be. And hey, Big 12 baseball season starts uh, this weekend. They start the conference schedule, I believe. So Absolutely. K-State looking decent over the last couple weeks. Baylor looking pretty good over the last couple weeks. Should be good, another good baseball season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Take care. Right. Go Cats. Luke Thompson signing out.